this is me talking to you <laughs> through the internet. <laughs> I just got my sound bite. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 27, for the 11th of November, 2022. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, we take a look at the Google quarter three results, Google gets into blockchain, why some people may want to leave cloud, and we have another five-item list. What a surprise. But before we get to any of that, I want to introduce the co-host of the show, Dave Wall. How are you going, Dave? Oh, I'm doing great, mate. I'm here, I'm here in my GCP Life t-shirt. You do have the t-shirt I, on I today. Do. I've got to rock the brand. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm settled in. I've been, I've been talking to people all day, all week with workshops. I'm, I'm, I'm primed. My, I didn't even have to do my warm-up exercises. No, today. that's right. <laughs> Gee, there's been a lot of talking, hasn't there? There's been workshops all week for us. Yep. Um, I actually doing the show sort of actually giving me a little bit of a mental break. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's just... nice to be able to switch gears and mm. you know, like obviously it's still related, but you got to have some different topics. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, we've still got we've, we've just just for the listeners, we've just kicked off another big GCVE project. Um, Fresh off the back of the last one that we just yeah. we just completed, <laughs> like w- like one week. <laughs> yeah, one week. It. Finish, finished it on Sunday and then kicked off the next one on Friday. It's just <laughs> yeah, and this this one's a doozy as well. Plenty of workloads. Um, oh yeah. Probably, I don't know. What do you reckon? It's a good twelve months worth of work there. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. A, it's a big environment. So. Uh, and- and the piece of work we're doing right now is actually to determine that, but um, a big environment, um, big infra, um, lots of nodes. Yeah. What, huge lift and shift. Huge lift and shift. So, uh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be some stories come out of this one for sure. For sure. But um, in the meantime, I, I did a blog. I created a blog. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, but we we recently had a, a need uh, inside Kasnik to create a squid proxy, and the purpose for that was so that we could have a um, you know a knowable IP address that all our connections could come from, and then that IP can be whitelisted where we want to whitelist it. So yeah, I implemented this in Google Cloud, of course. Um, the blog go walks you through how to set it up uh gives you a link to my repo which has got all the terraform and the necessary bits and pieces to do that Uh, and of course you don't want to just have an open web proxy on the on the on the web that's just inviting problems so Mm -hmm. it's secured behind iap and you have to have to authenticate with iap and then iap is identity aware proxy Thank you. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's uh, uses uh, IAM credentials to allow you to proxy your connection through their authentication tunnel, um, and uh, you can proxy the proxy by <laughs> piping uh, effectively the Squid proxy port through IAP, and then yeah, you've you've got a a proxy inside GCP, which will give you a knowable source address for your for all the traffic. You know, if you've got teams of people that have got to go through and connect to an environment, this is ideal. Mm. Um, so it's, it's interesting from a from a use case perspective, right? Because mm. if you were a, a traditional company, you might have, uh, like you have an on-prem environment, maybe you VPN into it, and then you've always got whatever your fixed IP address is. But for, you know, companies like ours, you know, born in the cloud, uh, yep. Types of companies like no one's in a VPN ever. No, <laughs> so. we, no, we don't have a VPN. We don't have a building where we have a fixed address come from. It, it breaks the paradigm. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of other companies will go. Well, we need to whitelist a single IP address. Well, we don't have that. Right, no. we're, we're in the cloud. We're all over the place. You're going to have to come up with a better way. Um, this is the way. To some degree, I mean, it's it's not a VPN, but to some degree, it it it, it can help. Um, not only can you tunnel HTTP traffic, but you can also tunnel SSH traffic. Um, Very useful. 
very <laughs> useful, right? So once again, they might provide a jump box, which is permitted to go inside to their network, um, and they only want connections allowed from a single source address. You can do that with this solution. Yeah, so go and have a look. I've put, got the link there in the show notes, and you can grab the source code for that. Other than that, uh, I also found out that on my – I mentioned the last show, I did a, a server – I, I did my server refresh here, and, of course, I got Proxmox on it. Uh, of course, there's a Terraform provider for Proxmox, <laughs> which <laughs> I course. didn't know about. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've managed to go in and rebuild my own private cloud all at, with infrastructure as code. Oh, <laughs> how good. <laughs> Very nice. Now, I do have to ask the question is – your initial Proxmox stand-up. No. How scripted is that? Is it like a, you know, give me a nice pixie boot somewhere. <laughs> that would be good, actually. I yeah. think uh, I think the NAS I've got will support pixie boot, but now you're right. That's that's what I should mm. do. But I, the the hard disks, uh, the, 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 I got S, the disk partitioning might be a little bit weird for it to to handle i don't know yeah and you gotta get that data in there at some point and yeah it's, yeah it's at some point you need to have some layer of infrastructure yeah <laughs> you need something to run the uh automation i guess i could use a tool like uh and i haven't used this tool for years it's called make uh make cd rec and uh what it'll do it'll create a bootable iso based off the image that you have on your machine so now that I have it built, I can just create a bootable ISO, and that could be my my build from now on. <laughs> could be <laughs> automation for automation's sake. Automation for automation, and then and then it breaks uh, while you're away for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well, nice. at least at least I could rebuild it quickly. <laughs> right, you know, if I didn't have any of that, it, it would yeah. be painful. Go step your uh, your kids through just reinstantiating <laughs> the environment. <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's a forty five page uh, instruction manual. Going oh, ahead. Dad, I don't know how to do it. Well, read the man pages. Uh, <laughs> how'd you uh, go that monitor anyway? Ah, uh, okay. So um, you might recall last time round, uh, I was dealing with a bit of a drama where um, the credit for the repair of my old monitor went to um, the retailer that I bought it from. So mm. after after the podcast, I called them up and immediately they had the credit for me and I was able, like the next day I was able to buy a new monitor. So thank you, PC Case Gear, for sorting that out for me. Uh, and the new monitor is here and it is uh, back on the monitor arms. So we're all we're all back 100% now. Awesome. I've been awesome. made whole. Awesome. Made whole again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. And never should we talk of it again. No, no fantastic. <laughs> Hey, um, did you hear that they're going to up, is it Google Workspace up to one terabyte? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Is that what's um, happening? I, I, yeah. So if you're a, a Google Workspace individual customer. Right. So, so if you don't have, was, not, not Workspace for business, but if you're right. individual, you're going up from, I think it was 15 gig and now you're getting a terabyte for the same cost. Don't have to do anything. Yeah. Nice. Um, and yeah, I think they're, they're adding a few other like sort of nice things with like email management and, um, Mal- like, merge tags, mail merge. Uh, yeah. I yeah, think they yeah, also, yeah. I can't remember if it was being added as part of this or you do just get it as part of workspace individual where, you know, you can use your, like your Gmail calendar as, uh, like a, like a meeting booking system. Right, you can you know kind of like a Calendly or something like that. So you can have a public calendar. And people can book appointment slots for you. Uh, that's included in this now as well. Ah, so it's real yeah. nice. Like if you're a small business, even if you're maybe not, um, you know, quite at like the business level of of Google Workspace. But if you're like, I don't know, you might have a consulting business or you've got like a like a home-based business like I don't know, a hairdresser or something yeah, like that. Soul really, trader or something yeah. yeah really easy way um to be able to handle that with your you know with your customers mm. cool yeah all right well um now look i think that's enough banner for now how about we get on with the news items All right, first cab off the rank, uh, we'll take a look at the Google Q3 results. And um, I tell you what, 
everyone's surprised. Everyone's very surprised by this. It was a nice bit of silver lining considering, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the market currently. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so an article here on Acceleration Economy, um, uh, Google Cloud posted a memorable Q3 with revenue up 38%, its lowest loss as a percentage of revenue ever. Yeah, um, I think I think even though, like Google, like many tech companies, uh, you know, they missed hitting their earnings target with you know obviously with the state of the economy over the last three months. Um, seeing how well Google Cloud's doing, no, no, number one in growth. Not only that, it grew its cloud revenue from Q two to Q three by the same amount, six hundred million. As Microsoft. Yeah. And how much bigger is the Microsoft environment? Uh, four times. Four times. Four right. times, so yeah. Hun- they're do- Microsoft Cloud is doing $100 billion a year. GCP is doing about $25 billion, And yet, the same growth numbers. Same growth. I know. Right. I as, know. as a percentage, Google's knocking it out of the park. Yeah, so we'll, and, and we'll, take a, we'll take a look at a list later in the show where... Uh, there are plenty of reasons, including this one, why why Google is knocking it out of the park. Um, to show that pro- in this article, right, to show that progress, I'm going to offer three Google Cloud numbers for each of the past five quarters: its revenue, its loss, and the loss as a percentage of revenue. Now, this is really interesting, right? Uh, if you look look across the last uh, five quarters, you will see uh, the loss in revenue. So Q3, starting at Q3 2021, the loss as a percentage of revenue was 12.9%. And then it's a sliding scale, 16.1, 16.0, 13.7. And then finally, the last one, 10.2%, which has landed at six, $699 million out of $6.868 billion. So, I mean, it's going in one direction, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I think I think it's very interesting. Obviously, it's great to see the um, the the numbers going up, right? Especially because we operate in a as a Google Cloud partner. Mm. Um, But yeah, they've they've done all the hard work with scaling out the service, building out the data centers. Like it's so capital intensive to grow it, and now it seems like you know they're they're really starting to to reap the benefits. Yep, of all that investment, mm. of the non-trivial investment that it is. Yeah. Um, and look, Alphabet are, are really committed, right? So Pyro's come out and said a few things. Um, Alphabet is very aware of the need for Google Cloud to become profitable, right? They're in the game, right? They're, they're not, they're not going to suddenly shut it down one day, which would be <laughs> tra- <laughs> tragic for a lot of reasons, right? Yes. <laughs> And, and Alphabet is eagerly pumping more money into Google Cloud to fuel the growth that will lead to the promised profitability land, right? So, yeah, they're, they're, they're in it for the long haul. They, they know it's going to take a while, and, and right now they're starting to see it turn around. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, like, as they've continued to, um, like, kind of work on monetizing a lot of their internal IP as well. Like, you know, we've talked a lot about the uh, the security benefits and the things like, you know, like assured open source, right? All of these services that Google have been paying for internally, right? They've got so much IP and, uh, and, and resourcing in just managing their internal teams mm. and them being able to make a bunch of these services now as, as paid for services. It's kind of like, um, well, like back really when the you know, cloud kicked off initially, right? When Amazon started being like, well, we had to build data centers for our services. Maybe we'll let you guys rent them. So why, sh- why shouldn't you know, Google be able to monetize a bunch of that you know, security expertise? Mm. Yeah, they're using it in house. Yeah, sell it, and and yeah, that's exactly what we're seeing, right? Yeah. Um. So I'll I'll link a few articles in the show notes. One article in particular goes into the fact that um, the number three, i.e., Google Cloud, matches the number one Microsoft in in revenue growth. I think that for me, that's that just yeah. put me on my, put me on my seat. <laughs> and I think also that um, 
Google's gro- uh, cloud growth this quarter was an increase on last quarter, whereas both Amazon and Microsoft, their growth went backwards. Obviously, they still grew, but they didn't grow as fast as, as they did the quarter yeah. before, yeah, uh, whereas point. Google yeah. increased. Yeah, good point. All right, so let's move on then. And I hear that Google, Google Cloud, is to enter the blockchain world. Yeah, now, they've, they've been circling for a bit, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's, there was a couple of uh, interesting announcements there. So, so one is their blockchain node engine service, right? So we love we love a nice engine, we've got a compute engine, we've got a VMware engine. Puts it all in a neat little package, yeah, right? Yeah, we've got a node just, engine yeah. now. Right? <laughs> That's it. Um, so the initial release of, of uh, Google no- uh, blockchain node engine um, is just supporting Ethereum, right, and the Ethereum blockchain. So what they're really trying to do is they're trying to make it a lot easier for if you're you're a developer or, or I guess just maybe if you've got the interest uh, to stand up a, a full Ethereum node inclusive of um, the blockchain syncing and speeding that up. Now, somebody's st- deciding to to spin up a full node like on a, on a PC at home, like anyone can do it. There's plenty of instructions on how. Uh, but that initial seeding of like every transaction that's ever taken place, it takes a while. It hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Um, so this will, spe- this will speed that up. They kind of give you a way to help bootstrap the environment. Um, so that's nice. And I think also the other piece is that <laughs> the crypto space th- th- has a trust problem. Right. right, so <laughs> you could you, the you know you're like oh I want to stand up an Ethereum testnet node right, and then you go read an article and oh maybe it's got like a shell script in there that I can run to go stand up like okay can you really trust that especially yeah. if you know you you don't have a strong background in there, um so yeah see I just have a look and go oh, well this is right <laughs> it'll, it'll be fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> be fine. so uh, yeah so I think that, yeah, that's um, yeah. that's nice right <laughs> coming from a Trust the third party. It's so, all vetted up front. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, the initial release of this would let you have um, Ethereum node with, as, as I mentioned, either the uh, production Ethereum blockchain or one of the test nets. Um, and then, yeah, and then they mentioned in this article that they would soon be supporting other blockchains. And lo and behold, <laughs> They've already announced that they are expanding the service with the ability to run a Solana uh, validator or a Solana node. Um, so that's yeah, been added in as an additional service. Mm. And then alongside that, like I think Google's also announced that they are now hosting their own Solana validators as well. Now, I don't know a huge amount about the Solana blockchain, so I'm not going to you know, make any kind of value statements there. but. Uh, yeah, it's just it's nice to see. Uh, I guess more of the, the cloud services taking on you know, some of the responsibility of running the networks a bit more, mm. uh, stronger reputation behind them. Yeah, yeah, lend credibility to them. Yeah, of some sort. yeah, 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 yeah. Even if it is from that security point of view, like you say, um, yeah, yeah, you know, it's been vetted up front. It's all good. Uh-huh. Uh, it's kind of interesting at the moment because you know we we're in like a like a, a bear market for crypto, right? It's not like eighteen months ago where valuations were just running crazy. Um, this is kind of like if there's a bit of a cycle in crypto. This is in the in the low point. Valuations are down, so yeah, um, yeah. it's nice seeing kind of more legitimate articles. That, yeah, even if it's, even if it's good news versus just hype. All right, then. So the security news for this week, I just thought I'd grab this one given that uh, there'd been, you know, the security environment in Australia at the moment is it's got a lot of attention, so we say. Oh, <laughs> um, did something happen? Yeah, so a few <laughs> things have happened. And uh, look, we, we'll get Rick on again maybe in a, in a few weeks just to just to, to follow up uh, where we're at with, with Medibank. But I thought I'd just point this one out. Uh, Persistent and Google Cloud launch a solution to help organizations recover from cyber attacks. Um, 
Now, this is a tool that's available in the marketplace that you can get uh, and primarily protects you from ransomware attacks. Persistence Intelligence Cyber Recovery includes tailored recovery plans, persistent IP for finding and remediating malware, and the optional managed service to administer the recovery process. Sounds cool. Um, What does it offer you? Well, uh, a reduction in data loss, uh, decreased risk of recurrent attacks through the removal of malware, faster recovery for ransomware and zero-day attacks, potential cyber insurance cost reduction, uh, and scalable solution depending on enterprise size challenges. Right, so it sort of seems like a a bit of an enhanced DR, right? So it's not just like a backup of your environment, but it also deals with, I suppose, you know, if you've got malware in your environment that is now in your backups as well, like helping to, to clean that in the recovery side of things. Yeah, that's right. It sort of gives you a wrapper on top of your traditional backup and DR. And, you know, you can you can back things up for days, but when it comes to the recovery, it's n- not always clear, right? No, and I think, yeah. I think this, this gives you some guidance around that and it can give you processes to help you with that. Uh, to take a quote here, persistence, intelligence, cyber recovery combines strategic planning and the creation of playbooks, integration with Google Cloud services, and our own IP to find anomalies that indicate malware, removal, remove the malware, and use automation to set up and test production environments to scale. Great. Another, another tool in the toolbox. Targeted at small to medium business um, that may not have the capacity, capability, resources to have a full uh, ransomware recovery plan, um, this this can do that for you. Yeah, it's um, it's true, and that like it is something that you know, small businesses especially do struggle with, right? So it's an, it's a large cost, um, and plenty of them just kind of fly by the seat of their pants. I mean, not yep. just small businesses, plenty of large businesses too. Yeah, um, they just kind of assume that oh, I've, I'm in my inside my perimeter and nothing can ever harm me. And nothing can ever get in. No, that it's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> no, never, never mind. You got to you know. Kevin in accounts goes and <laughs> clicks on a <laughs> an attachment that crypto locks your entire network. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we've seen, it's always a human factor, right? I mean, uh-huh. it's, yeah, that's that's pretty much how it looks. Medibank has panned out. The um, some some credentials were given out, and and lo and behold, the, there goes your data. Does actually take me back. I'm thinking about like the human factors. I remember uh, one inc- incident where a um, uh, someone who will remain nameless, but it wasn't me. It was like one of our internal internal customers. This is a horror, in, it's a, on, horror Dave, story. It's a horror story. We're going to horror story. It's a it's a little one. It's more yeah. just like a cautionary tale. <laughs> but um, this uh, particular uh, user, they got an email. It was dodgy, and they they clicked the link, and it crypto locked their laptop. <laughs> And uh, and you'd think that they would learn their lesson from that. Like, they lost no. everything. That laptop didn't have a backup, right? They lost no. all their data. Mm. They really felt the uh, the burn of it. And then the next month, we did an internal phishing exercise. Oh, <laughs> and it clicked the no. links again. Like, oh, come on. You had a real world example. <laughs> you got burnt once. <laughs> yeah, oh, come on, mate. So, I mean, that does sort of go to show that... <laughs> Human factors are, are a big thing, and you can't also sort of rely on people even to learn to do the right thing. Mm, that's right. <laughs> can't, can't trust that, uh, well, people will protect us. All right, moving away from security for the moment, came across an article on data center dynamics uh, discussing a company, two companies, in fact, that want to move away from cloud. Now, we often talk about a lot on this show about companies moving into cloud and all the excitement about, you know, modernizing everything and how, how easy it'll be, your, your mess for less kind of things. Uh, but here we have a situation where we have two companies, Basecamp and Hay, I'll put a link in the show notes to the article, they move off cloud. Now, this is, this is uh, a blog post uh, by the CTO and co-founder David uh, Hyman and Hansen um, of of Hay, 
and it's the blog is full of quotable quotes and (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of justification of why they're doing that there's a lot of lot of talking points in here and and dave i just thought i'd bounce some of some of these off you um, we'll see, see what we say, think about him. Uh, so he, what he says, it's finally time to conclude renting computers is mostly a bad deal for medium-sized companies like ours with stable growth. Hmm. Okay. I, well, just let that sink in for a <laughs> minute. Right. <laughs> right. The savings promised to reduce complexity never materialized. So we're making our plans to leave. I don't know. I, all I can say is they're probably doing it wrong. That's all I can say. Okay, I reckon if you're... Okay, let's devil's advocate for a sec, okay? Yeah, yeah. If your idea of the cloud is it's somebody else's computer um, and I'm just going to use Compute Engine instances... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're going to click ops everything. And you're going to click ops everything, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, this is this is VMware, but it's it's Google, um, yep. or it's Amazon." Oh, no, 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 or even worse, th- these are you treat them the same as on-prem servers. These are on-prem servers. I'm going to log in and I'm going to do blah, blah, blah A, B, and C on them. Yeah, um, and they're right. going to stay up online all the time, twenty four seven. So, yep. okay, if Wrong that page. is your thought on <laughs> how the environment should be. Okay, you're really not embracing what you get with the cloud, right? But mm. if you start thinking in terms of like, all right, let's uh, maybe we migrate in, maybe we do have some traditional workloads that need to be on all the time. But if you start getting smart about it and go, thought oh, these things should be on a schedule, or this thing actually, it's a script, so it doesn't actually need to the server that it runs on doesn't no, need to be up all the time. Doesn't even need a server, right? You no, just run a, a cloud service. function, yeah. yeah, right, and sit it behind cloud scheduler. Right, and you can just mm. just come on, do the thing that you need, and then go away. And that's where your benefits are, right? That's Starting right. to consume self self uh, sorry, consume services like PubSub instead of standing up your own message queues. It's like mm. all the maintenance that comes with having to self manage things. So yeah, so when I read this, I think yeah, maybe you're not doing it the right way. You've, you've kind of missed something there. Um. He goes on, he explained that cloud makes sense when you have a simple application that benefits from a fully managed surface and works well when you have wild swings in usage. Okay, that I agree with, so that you can ramp up rapidly to meet the demand. That makes sense to me. Sure, yep. You want to use like a you know, load balancers and managed instance groups and yep. auto-scaling yep. policies and stuff, for sure. But I don't agree with the statement that it makes sense when you have a simple application. No. Like, right. it can be as complicated as you want, right? It, it's simplified by the fact that if you break it down into microservices, each of those services are simple, right? But, and but, they should but, be able uh, to scale independently. Scale independently. But, you know, as a gestalt entity, yes, I said gestalt entity, <laughs> um, it's, it's complex, so, I mean, a statement like that, I think, I don't know. To me, it sounds like he's not doing it right yet again. <laughs> and he goes on to say, but neither of those two conditions apply to us today. <laughs> okay. Yet by continuing to operate in the cloud, we're paying an at times almost absurd premium for the possibility that it could. Absurd premium. That's the words he's using. Um, yeah, like as cloud engineers, right? Like <laughs> you, you, you've done some Google training. I've done some Google training, right? One of the big things that Google are constantly pushing is get the cost down, mm-hmm. right? Right. Get the cost down, work it into your design, right? Everything they come about, they went from uh, spot instances, for instance, right? Yeah. Um that was a big one, right? So they brought that in so that it would be cheaper. Yeah, and right? spot instances are like, what is it, like 90% cheaper? It's nothing. It's yeah, next just- to nothing. So you, your app's designed poorly, mate. It's, you know, it's not the cloud that's the problem. It's the, the way the app is designed to run on the cloud. Uh-huh. It's not doing it right. 
it's this uh, this note in here, like uh, they're spending more than half a million a year just for database IDS and Elasticsearch in Amazon. Right, his quote is, do you know how many insanely beefy servers you could purchase on a budget of a half a million dollars a year? It's like, well, yes, and then you've got to run a data center, and you have to manage yeah. the life cycle of them. And with uh, the existing I- supply chain problems, you have to be able to obtain those servers, <laughs> and then you need the- to license SQL. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's, it's the life cycle, right? It's when they expire and you have to swap them out. Uh-huh. Right? That is a big piece of work, a lot of effort there. That all goes away with cloud. Right, so he's not looking at the total cost, right? He's not no, looking no, at the total no. cost of ownership. Um, as for the argument that the cloud makes things simpler, he claimed that while it helps in some areas, it makes others more complex. No, 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 no. What he means is it's a different skill set, mm. and it's a skill set that they, by the sound of it, never comprehended. Have never been able to uh, onboard or learn, or maybe the staff weren't willing to to learn cloud skills. Yeah, they want to go back right. to the. Yeah, I have an I have an empire of tin. Yeah, <laughs> in a colo yeah. facility. Yeah, uh, and he goes on to say, "I've yet to hear of an organisation at our scale being able to materially shrink their operations team just because they moved to the cloud." So, I mean, okay. I think, though, is that that whole thing of like, yes, you move to the cloud, mm. there are different mm. skills. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Like, yes, you migrate and then you free up your operations team, you free up the toil from them so mm-hmm. that they can deliver more value. Mm hmm. I move right. on to other engineering tasks. Yeah. If you yeah. just, you're looking at the cloud because like, oh, this is great. I can, I can outsource my IT team. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think you've approached that whole thing with like the wrong perspective. It's the wrong approach, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what he's probably failing to recognize there is the fact that, as you say, they've moved on to other more interesting tasks and work mm-hmm. and been able to engineer other solutions. And innovate in other spaces because it's freed them up. Assuming they they're employing cloud the correct way. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, right. yeah. If if they're just keeping a very basic thing, like we we're kind of highlighting at the start there, <laughs> then yeah, okay, I can see why it would take the same. Right, if you're still handcrafting yeah, exa- servers, <laughs> yeah, the same number of servers doesn't it? You know, it doesn't matter if they're on prem or in cloud. It's the same number of servers, right? It's going to be the same amount of effort, unless you apply the cloud operating model in cloud. In other yep. words, infrastructure as code. Manage uh, services wherever possible. Manage services, microservices, serverless, um, you know, GitOps, those, those kind of um, cloud paradigms that will save you effort in the long run. Yeah, uh, we we could go on forever uh, with Mr. David Hyman Mahansen. <laughs> He's got a lot to say. <laughs> We're going to uh, trigger some beef with him <laughs> with our yeah. counter rant. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you're the type of person that that throws cushions at the TV when you're watching a sport, uh, like I am, <laughs> then have a read of this article because it'll trigger you. <laughs> I thought we'd move on to a list, Dave. A list. Sure. Love a list. Love a list. Uh, and uh, some of the items on the list, are, this list are going to relate to uh, a few of the things we've talked about. Uh, this is a list from CRN, um, Google Cloud's five big earning takeaways, hiring, workspace, and mandiant. Uh, all the topics that we quite often talk about. This article kicks off by talking about their uh, – Q3 uh, results, which is, you know, I have to say again, was, was, was quite good. Uh, but then it goes on, it kicks off the list with, um, you know, these are, all, these are all reasons why Google Cloud is going to be successful, why, why they think it's going to be successful. And um, we can see a, a pattern here, a definite pattern. First of all, we had Google adding employees. So, Via the Mandiant acquisition, Google Cloud added 2,600 employees. 
That's good, right? It's always growth. Um, yep, that is good. Yep. Highly seen- skilled, mandiant people. Mm, absolutely. Uh they closed the deal in September. Uh, I'm proud to work, welcome more than 2,600 colleagues to Google. Pinch, I said. Well, that's nice. Um, and then, so uh, besides that, they uh, Google Google itself is slowing hiring at the moment, but Google Cloud isn't. So they're still taking on staff. Still hiring technical people. Uh, with respects to Alphabet's headcount, we've added 12,765 people in the third quarter, including more than 2,600 of those joining Google Cloud as part of our acquisition. That's what Poray said, um, which is actually down. Um, however, it appears like the Google Cloud will not be affected by the slowdown. Well, like we've saw in the uh, the sort of earlier articles, right? They they know that there's so much potential in Google Cloud, and they're putting that investment in. And that investment isn't just infrastructure, but it's people. It's people. Yep. Yep. Number three on the list: uh, Google Cloud operating at a loss of six hundred ninety-nine million. Well, as we covered, like. Well, that's not a good thing, but it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they do start off this point by saying Google Cloud has still yet to generate profit. But things are looking up. Uh, number four on the list, Google Workspace hits 8 million customer milestone. Yeah, big growth. And I saw like, because now they've got mm. the, the US Army is on board. They do, 25,000, or oh, 250,000 army personnel uh, and it's u- now used by more than 8 million businesses yeah. it's, mm. such a, it's such a good tool yeah. <laughs> oh I'm sold yeah, it's, yeah. that makes well, things so well, much like easier a, a year on now for being in a company that you're like oh, that's it I'm hooked this is the way I do this is the way I work now that's so it why did I do again. it any <laughs> other way never again uh, and the final item on this list um and, you know, we touched on this earlier as well. It's interesting. This is why I brought this up, because every article that we've talked about, every one of these points is is mentioned in everything we've talked about this week. Um, Google CEO, Google Cloud, a long-term key priority. So Google and Alphabet are absolutely dead set committed to Google Cloud. They're just going to be spending more money on it, encouraging the growth, bringing in new partners and new technologies. And, um, it, yeah, not walking away from it at any time. No, yeah. But I guess because it pays off so many dividends back to Google itself, like, you know, they consume their own. They, they eat their own dog food. Mm. Um, you know, we mentioned back on the bit earlier about, you know, using their bought and paid for IP and being able to turn that into other products. Yeah, it's all good signs. Moving in the right directions. Okay, well, that's about it for news items today. Um, I thought I would go into what is it this fortnight? Ooh, yeah, we didn't have one last fortnight, did we? Didn't we didn't have the, one last uh, fortnight. Anniversary podcast. So. Had the anniversary podcast, um, which was fantastic. I, I loved having everyone on there. We all got to talk about next, which is yeah. very exciting. Um, I thought today I'd talk about hub spoke topology. Ooh, okay. I've been asked a lot like on my bike lately. Like on your bike, yeah. So you've got your hub in the middle and then you've got your spokes on the wheel, right? What is hub spoke topology? Okay, so hub spoke topology itself is a distribution paradigm. Now, the term uh, actually comes from transport logistics. Um, it's, it's a way of optimising traffic planners organised into a series of spokes that connect to an outlying spokes that connect to a central hub. You can draw, manage, imagine that picture in your mind, like what we said, a, a bike wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and each point has a direct route to every other point. Okay, now that's, that's as opposed to a point-to-point topology where every point would connect to every other point. Right? And there's maths you can go through to work out you know, the efficiency of one over the other. Um, 
Hubspoke itself is actually a methodology methodology for transport. Delta Airlines pioneered the the spoke hub distribution model in 1955, and the concept revolutionised the transport logistics industry after Federal Express in the US demonstrated its value in the early 1970s. Then in the late 1970s, the telecommunication and information technology sector adopted this distribution topology, dubbing it the star network topology. That does take me back. Right. (laughs) Now, in my opinion, to use the term spoke hub or hub spoke in reference to networking and computing, it's actually the incorrect nomenclature. Oh, okay. The correct nomenclature, if you to go by the adoption of the term, should be star network or star topology. Because if you're using the term spoke hub, you're specifically referring to the topology for transport logistics. I mean, it, do, it really doesn't matter. If you want to split hairs and be nitpicky about it, then, then, then that's what I would say in my opinion. That's, that's the way it should work. But we're not going to change the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're going to go on a, a crusade for, for star networks, and, uh, and, I'm, right. and I'm going to go and try and bring down Tibby Bites. <laughs> Tibby, oh, Tibby. <laughs> Tibby Bites, God. Um, so the advantages, right? Uh, so the advantages, if one or more connection breaks, it does not affect the other computers or the connections. So you've got one, one endpoint connecting to a hub. If that endpoint end breaks, you're only affecting that endpoint, right? Devices can be add or removed without distributing the network. So one of the other topologies you might have heard about is a ring topology. And ring topologies uh, do have this problem because you've got every point only connecting to two points and you connect them all together, it forms a ring. Uh, right? It takes, takes me back to a uh, token ring. Exactly, right? Oh. You can break the ring, but the traffic has to go all the way around the other way to get to the, the point yeah. closest <laughs> to it, right? Uh, star topologies work well under heavy load, right? Because you've got a dedicated link for that connection and they're appropriate for large networks. It, it helps you segregate things more easily. The disadvantage, uh, they're expensive due to number of and length of cables. Now, this is if you were in a traditional network and you had those blue cables and you're wiring everything up. But, but the concepts, tra- I think the concepts translate. Hmm. Uh, they're expensive due to the length of cables and the number needed to wire each one up. Uh, a central hub is a single point of failure for the network. So think of an office, think of all the computers in the office and they're wired into a, a switch on the wall. That's a staff topology. Yeah. Right? If that hub breaks, well, that switch breaks, game over. Yeah, everything right? that's but connected it, to that location is down. Is then, down, yeah. 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 But if that wire breaks, it only affects that workstation. Um, so, but, but Banky. We're in the cloud now. We're right? in the cloud. We're yeah. in the cloud. No blue That's cables right. for us. <laughs> so how does this relate to the cloud? Exactly. So why would you do this? Well, when you design a Google Cloud topology for large enterprises, you might need to plan for network levelization, isolation of resources used by different business units, workloads, or environments, right? Uh, that sort of isolation would uh, give you granular control over network traffic for each group of its resources. Uh, it could help you meet legal and regulatory requirements for data separation requirements, right? Um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you might have production and non-production. You might want to separate them, for instance, uh, and they come back to a central point. You might have different applications. You might have an application that's got PII in it and you want to put a different set of uh, control rules around that versus, uh, you know, an app that doesn't have any PI in it. Yeah, or, you know, um, the- you know, I guess if you've got uh, workloads that fall in under scope of, like, PCI DSS, you might want to keep them completely apart from everything else. Yeah. Um, in Google, there's two main ways you can do this, right? So you can achieve it with VPC peering. Uh, so with VPC peering, uh, you have a, a central VPC network project, uh, and then uh, you have peers that are 
connected into that and they radiate outwards from that hub, that central hub project. Um, now, that does have one downside, and that's the restriction around uh, VPC peer transiting. And that problem is you can you cannot go through a peered VPC through to the other side to get to a peered VPC on the other side. You can't transit through that yeah, right. VPC so in the middle. If you've got project B and it's got peers to A and C, A mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to speak to C. B could speak to both. A and B, B can talk a- together, B and C can talk together, but A can't talk to C through B. That's right. So B is your hub in that topology, and you can't go through B to get – A can't go through B to get to C, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a limitation of the peering technology in Google Cloud. Now, there is a way you can get around that, and that is you can create a VPN connection from, in your case, from A to C – and then that would allow all from A to B, in fact, and then that any traffic that needs to go across that uh, hub can go via the VPN. But that, that's just kludgy. In my mind, that's just so kludgy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are also, there are, there are topologies where you deploy like a network appliance in like a, a compute engine network appliance and give it, nicks in all of the VPCs and then that becomes your router. But again, you, you, you can dream up a million yeah, ways, there's so many ways to cut it. It's just, it's not a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. We, we're just talking about cloud native constructs here, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, now, the other way you can do it is with VPNs, purely with VPNs. Now, you don't have that transitive peering restriction here. So you would have a central hub project and then you would have VPNs going out to your you spokes. And then using traffic routing, you can go through the hub and then out to any of the spokes that you want to using a VPN. True. You are cutting down your network performance though. Exactly. So every VPN tunnel has a limit of three gig throughput. Mm. Now you may not have high bandwidth requirements. In this case, this would be perfect for you, right? Now in Google Cloud, there is a third way you can achieve this of sorts, of sorts, right? And that's called VPC sharing, a shared VPC. It's exclusive to GCP. Exclusive to GCP. Now, what you can do is, obviously, a VPC in Google Cloud is global. So you immediately, when you spin up a VPC, you have subnets in every region. Straight away, you just get that out of the box. Now, what it's possible to do is set up a shared VPC and one of those subnets, or you can make a new subnet for it if you like, can be placed into another project. And that subnet then appears in both projects. You have a shared VPC. Now, if if you're crafty about this and you design it the right way, you effectively get your star topology. You do, yeah. And right. you can you can even do things where like, you know, you could have a, a production shared VPC and a non-prod shared VPC, which all have their different resources. But maybe you've got something in prod that's shared. You know, think like a domain controller or DNS or something. Um, and you can peer, you can do VPC peering between those two shared VPCs. Oh, and then mind it works, blown. you know, mind like blown, Dave. Mind yeah, blown. Then you've only got one hop. You've only got one trans, one peering to do. There's no transitive to deal with. No. And uh, in this model, the the central project is called the host project, and then the the spokes that that would be the hub. Then the spokes are called the service projects. Um, have all your services in them, right? And it also gives you the additional benefit that all your networking is controlled from that one hub. Now, if you use purely the VPC peering model, you have network control points everywhere. The hub, you've got a firewall, all the spokes, you've got firewalls. It could just end up being a big jumble mess. But as we said, maybe you need to maybe that's what you need. Maybe maybe that is what you need to meet legal or regulatory requirements. 
But if you want to just keep it simple and it's like a normal sort of internal org kind of network, um, yeah, go the shared VPC for sure and just control it all from one point. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, VPC peering still has its, you know, there's still the need for it, still a use. Like, you can use it uh, to peer a VPC uh, to, like, an external company. You can have an external organization. Don't have to. And that's... That's that's its prime. I think from you know everything I've read, that seems to be a primary use case for it. Mm. You've got two organisations that have come together. They both use Google Cloud. They now need to talk to each other. Bang! You peer them together. You've got firewall control points at both at, at, at both ingress and egress. Happy days. Well, there you go. That's my little breakdown of hub and spoke or star topology. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. I think, like right now, like it is, it's very relevant. And it's, as as more and more companies are migrating onto the cloud, and they're, you know, they're trying to transform their enterprise networks. Right. It's good to have a nice primer. It is. It is, and we're going to try and do some more of that. Uh, give you guys the insight on on what some of these terminologies are. But I think that's about enough from us, Dave. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, th- I think so too. The yeah, uh, you know, the weather's warming up. It's getting a little hot here in the studio. <laughs> yeah, right. I got the aircon blasting. It's been a full day. I tell you what, for from back to back meetings and now this. Yeah, now I've got to go away and do the edit. <laughs> Busy times. Don't forget to go to iTunes and write us a review. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, Google Podcasts. Um, I mentioned it before, there's Kazna Between Two Clouds, our YouTube channel. Ooh, I've got some surprises happening with YouTube, Dave. Don't you worry about that. There's some things in the works there. No, no, no teasers? Or? Uh, no, I'm just going to keep it under the under the wraps for the moment, but it's coming along. Watch this space, people. You watch this space. You can contact the show, gcplife at kazna.com.au. We've got the Twitter there, at gcplife. Don't forget to check out the website. We've got links to all the Spotify shows, and you'll see our pretty smiley faces up on there as well. <laughs> Uh, and of course, today's sponsor is Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. All right. Well, I think that's about it from me. What about yourself, Dave? No, you know what? I'm all tapped out. I got nothing. <laughs> that's it. I'm going to go and grab a coffee. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>